You are a blooming flower only if you could open your heart to the possibilities of you. Welcome to the Free to Be Show. Here we have conversations to free your heart, mind, and soul. I am your host, Cordelia Gaffar, the ultimate joy goddess and the possibility of joy within you. I guide women who look powerful on the outside, yet feel voiceless on the inside, to be replenished and aligned. Are you ready for the sacred experience of you? Are you ready for your soul's medicine? I call that four mind alignment, which recalibrates your body wisdom from your lotus up to your stomach up to your heart and completes your full transformation in your mind. Move and explore your lotus mind, feed and nourish your stomach mind, acknowledge and accept your heart mind, transcend your logical mind with sleep. Be free to be using ancient body wisdom in conversation, in community, and in practice. Be free to be. Welcome to the Free to Be Show. I'm so excited to have back on the show, uh, Dr. Sadef Lodi. Um, she's a board certified OBGYN and executive coach for women based in New York. Um, she graduated from the University of Michigan with honors and received her Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry and then a doctorate in Osteopathic Medicine at Michigan State University and completed her um, residency also there. And she has a certification in life and executive coaching from Rutgers University. Now, currently, she's a sex counselor and educator and a practicing, as well as a practicing OBGYN in New York um, and has been for over 20 years. And so today we're going to, um, in alignment with my series on intimacy and orgasms, we will talk about some things that you may have been wondering, um, sometimes from the medical uh, perspective and sometimes just from um, stories that she wants to share. So welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Thanks, so much. thanks so much for having me on Cordelia. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I love that um, we had a chance to talk in the summer um, and we get to talk again now. So I want to begin with why is intimacy good for our overall wellness? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that, you know, that question comes up a lot. And I feel that, you know, a lot of us may feel that we already have intimacy amongst our, you know, say our family or our spouses, our significant others. And so really, why do we need to make an effort? And 
so many things um, about uh, intimacy and really how it impacts our physical and our mental well-being. So really the practical effects on physical intimacy and well-being include definitely stress reduction. We know that uh, loved ones, whether they're romantic or platonic, can provide us with emotional support during times of stress. And this support definitely leads to reduction in our stress hormones uh, like cortisol, which can definitely adversely affect our physical health. And we know that when we have increased cortisol in our bodies, it can lead to, you know, diabetes, it can lead to a lot of physical problems. And so it's really important to decrease the cortisol and the stress in our bodies that happen um, when we feel that way. And especially if that stress is chronic. So sometimes people have jobs that in which they are chronically stressed. And so that is obviously is really not good for our mental health. Um, with intimacy, we also notice improved immune function. So positive social interactions and emotional closeness have been linked to improvement in our immune function. And so the reason why that happens is that it lowers um, cortisol levels, like we were talking about the stress hormone, as well as the practical benefit of having someone um, help you when you aren't feeling so well and help you recover faster. Uh, we know that people that um, have a closeness or feel a close connection to others also live longer. So there's longer lifespan. Studies have shown that individuals in strong and supportive, intimate uh, relationships tend to live longer. And it could be said that, you know, we are more motivated to care for ourselves if we have somebody that cares for us as well. And uh, definitely with pain management, we also know that intimacy releases endorphins, which we know are good and other hormones that can relieve feelings of pain and um, physical touch, emotional closeness, even sexual intimacy can help uh, with pain relief and overall comfort. We know that the practical effects of our mental well-being include emotional supports. So we talked about that a little bit, right? So if we feel like there's somebody that cares for us and we feel cared for, then it helps you deal with stress a little bit better. They can give you some advice, provide some material resources, and also give you some understanding or someone to lean on when you're feeling very stressed. Um, it helps with self-esteem. We know that, you know, if you know that you're loved and you have somebody to love, we know that it reinforces your sense of identity and confidence. There's also a sense of belonging. A persistent loneliness is associated with, um, you know, decrease in mental health and emotional health, which can lead to feelings of isolation and helplessness. And definitely happiness and satisfaction are all correlated with having somebody um, that you love and care for. And so a healthy, intimate relationship naturally contributes feelings of happiness and a positive outlook on life. So those are just, sorry, those are some, just some of the reasons why, you know, intimacy is helpful in both and has effects both on your physical and your mental well-being. I love that. You know, there's three things I want to pull out there. Like for one thing, the distinction between intimacy with, you know, just like getting hugs and, you know, maybe with your kids or your sisters and brothers versus with your spouse. Right. Um, and, um, and also how you were talking about the self-esteem, your, how it increases your self-esteem yeah. mm -hmm. and how it, um, 
can really help you on the physical level with your stress. So let's let's first talk about the distinction of intimacy and intimacy, right? So um, <laughs> just uh, like regular uh, having close friends um, and having that kind of connection versus having a deeper intimate relationship. Have you, um, I mean, you can answer this two ways. Either you can answer it like, have you noticed that the women that have loving long-term relationships are healthier or um, have you noticed that uh, people that also have, you know, it, it's the similar kind of situation if you just have a really supportive uh, friend group? What yeah. Have you, yeah, what have you noticed? Yeah, I think that, you know, when you are, when you feel loved and you're able to share that love with somebody else, I think that automatically increases your sense of well-being and also your self-esteem, right? And so definitely women that are in close, intimate relationships definitely seem to be happier and tend to have a more positive outlook on life as opposed to those that don't, right? So I think one of the key things for um, happiness, actually, I heard once was that uh, someone to love, something to look forward to, and um, something to love, something to look forward to, and something to do. So, you know, something, someone to love, definitely, it automatically increases our sense of belonging and also our uh, sense of worth. And I think I think that that's really important. Um, you know, some of the problems that we have that um, societal and cultural factors that can sometimes influence a person's perception of intimacy, you know, is that if we, um, you know, sometimes society, I think, doesn't really promote a sense of well-being in the sense that, you know, we have all these images that come to us from social media, from the media and things like that, where everybody looks perfect and acts perfect. And I think that that's really a hard uh, benchmark to live up to all the time, right? And so I think that sometimes when you're able to navigate those influences and then cultivate a healthy and personalized approach to intimacy and wellness yourself, I think that really helps. And one, a few ways that you can do that is you can engage in self-reflection, right? If you take time out to reflect on your own personal values and beliefs and desires and see how you can uh, relate to intimacy that way. You can educate yourself on the different types of intimacy. We know that there's not only physical intimacy, but there's emotional, spiritual, experiential, right? Different forms of intimacy that all builds that bond with others and increases the love that we have for each other, right? And so you can also try socializing with people that are different from your own cultural backgrounds and seek out information resources from different people from different cultural backgrounds so that you also learn from others. Um, you may want to question some assumptions and stereotypes about what's your normal or ideal. So like we talked about, again, you know, having the perfect life or the perfect whatever, you know, whatever society tells us we should all be looking like and doing, you know, we get to decide, we get to decide on what our own thoughts are and our beliefs are and how we want to live up to that. Um, I think also it's important to engage in like open and honest communication, uh, with your partner and you make it a habit, you know, to have these tough conversations. I was recently speaking to somebody else and we're talking about how, you know, it, sometimes it can just be really hard to even have discussions about, 
you know, what your money, right? Money, religion, things like that. And definitely intimacy is right up there where people find it very difficult to have these tough conversations with their partners and to really let them know what they like, what they don't like um, and how they can be pleased. And I think that once we start um, opening up those conversations and realizing that it's not wrong to have those conversations, that it's really actually very important to have those conversations and that it can only lead to a better relationship and a closer relationship, then I think it's going to uh, allow women and give them permission to go ahead and have those open and honest communications. Also, I think it's important to establish clear boundaries and be confident and clear in what you're comfortable with and establish like a mutual respect with each other, with your partner and your spouse and or spouse. Um, and then always, of course, we we know we get take this for granted. But of course, you always have to be serious about consent when it comes to intimacy and um, make sure that, you know, what we want is what we're asking for and uh, what we're allowing others. So that's interesting. You bring in consent. I mean, not that everyone that watches my show is married, but a lot of people and i thought this too like in marriage do you have to really talk about consent oh, like yeah, absolutely yeah i agree so let's talk more about that you know just because you're married right you it's still as uh i believe there's a conversation like what you were saying um telling your partner what you like and what you mm -hmm. don't like and i think more importantly what your limits are you know yes. so um, what would that conversation look like? Like, let's yeah. say you've been married for 10 years and you want to try something new with your husband. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think like something like that, well, first and foremost, I would have to congratulate the person <laughs> that <laughs> is able to, you know, look out and be a little bit more adventurous. I think we get so stuck in the monotony of our daily lives that we don't actually allow ourselves to grow and experience new experiences, right? So I think the person that does that after 10 years, well, that's, you know, definitely needs to be applauded. Um, but I think what that looks like is, you know, talking to your partner, having that tough conversation, maybe you schedule out a time, right? And I think one of the biggest things is, is that we all have to realize that we only have 24 hours in a day and everyone has that same amount of time. And so for all the things that are important to us, we really need to put it into our calendars and make that time for it. So if this is an important conversation that you need to have with your, you know, that you want to have with your spouse or partner, then, you know, you schedule it in just like you'd schedule anything. In. And although it doesn't really sound very sexy. Um, it's really important that you go ahead and put that in your calendar to have that conversation. Maybe it's 15 minutes, maybe it's 20 minutes, but definitely at a time where you are no longer thinking about other things, right? Oftentimes we have conversations with people and we're thinking about like what we're making for lunch, what we're going to have for dinner, who's coming over, blah, blah, blah. And so we're really not present, right? And I think that um, that's one of the things that's really important is to be mindful. And that's kind of a word that gets thrown around, but really it's just being present in the moment without judgment and really allowing yourself to experience just sitting in your own body and being present with the person who you're with. So, you know, really being intentional and making it a priority, I think is really important. And that's how we start that conversation with our partner. So maybe it's going to be tonight, you know, that you have that conversation and you take out 15 minutes when you're no longer um, thinking about the kids or, you know, wondering all these other 50 other things. And, you know, you bring up that conversation that perhaps, you know, you've been thinking about it. And I think what is really important um, is that oftentimes when we have those tough conversations, I think the, 
other person, you know, may feel a little bit, uh, may have some trepidation and may feel that they are, I don't know, that they're not good enough or that, you know, there's something wrong or that you're, um, but I think it's really important to provide them with some, you know, with a type of validation that they are, you know, fine or whatever that you're not thinking about. I think one, one <laughs> thing that sometimes people worry about is that if you're going to leave them, right? And so mm, I think, you know, right, exactly, providing them with reassurance that that's really not the, you know, the the topic of conversation, but really that you're interested in exploring other options, right? Exploring um, different things that you may want to do, things that you're curious about, and that, you know, you're hoping that they may be interested as well. And, you know, say, for example, somebody's interested in BDSM or something like that, right? And exploring that in their relationship. And it doesn't have to be like whips and chains, right? Not unless you want it, but <laughs> it could just be <laughs> simple right like it could be like a blindfold or like a feather or something like that so you know slowly I think talking about what it is that your fantasy is what your relationship is and how you'd like to explore whatever it is you're interested in I like that word and like for people's consideration as you're listening to this you when you schedule the time you can make it called you know um fantasy conversation right yeah. and that's that's more fun <laughs> Yeah, right. and then you, you know to like let your mind go and you can just be totally present it's like okay after dessert we're gonna have fantasy conversation and like what can we do different um yeah. i i like that and very important point you've said to put it on your calendar you know something that's important yeah. to you we schedule everything right except I'm for <laughs> except for something so very important um right. to the longevity of our lives and our relationship right right exactly and i agree with that 100 percent. i think that um you know oftentimes those relationships that matter the most are the ones that we ignore and um i think that those are probably the most important relationships that we need to nurture and make sure that we you know continually water and uh, make sure that they grow as opposed to, you know, they just, we leave them and then they, they die. So I think that everything requires us to be intentional and making it a priority. And I think that that's really where it starts out um, for a lot of people. Yeah. And, I, yeah. Go ahead. Tell me. I was going to say some of the, you know, easiest ways that we can increase intimacy in a relationship Um that doesn't really require anything at all. It doesn't require money. It just it just requires us to be intentional is that, you know, like for example, we could even just, we can hold hands, right? Simple thing like that. And even though, um, you know, we think it's super simple, I'd like to ask, you know, the viewers, like how many people that are in a long-term relationship are still holding hands, right? Mm, like, are you I still- know. Right? Are you still hugging your partner? Are you still kissing them? Are you still telling them that you love them? That that um, you know that they're valued? Are you sending them texts in the middle of the day, telling them that you're thinking about them and that you love them? Right? And I think that oftentimes um, you know we don't do that, and so I think that those little things are super important. Um, even cuddling or massages or something like that, I think it's very very important. And even just going for a walk outside, right, with your partner is um, is something that can really increase emotional intimacy, even cooking, even sitting on a couch, right? So oftentimes when people watch movies, they're sitting on opposite ends of the couch. So how about you, 
get a little closer, <laughs> and, you know, like hug or a cuddle or something like that. And I think that, especially for those people that may have children, I think it's really important for children to also see that, that, you know, hey, um, my parents still like each other. <laughs> you know, they still yeah. want to do it. Right. So important. I, I love what you said about like taking a walk because um, I was doing a master class the other day. And one of the things I said was, you know, experience the wind, you know, yeah. just like, and so just imagine you're walking with your partner and you're holding hands and you're enjoying the breeze together, you know, and actually enjoying nature. Um, and cooking is very, I, I think I love to cook and I, that's like my love language is food. So, um, the spices and the seasonings and the fun, you know, uh, interplay where you can accidentally touch each other and, you know, help each other taste the food and, you know, very, very playful. Yeah. And yeah. Just like very, just normalizing intimacy and play is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be something crazy, right? Like, I think what you just said about cooking together and all of that, I mean, that can actually be very erotic if you want it to be, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> it totally so, can. Uh, so I think that it's really important that we find the ease in this and that it doesn't have to be something that you have to like, you know, plan for like days and weeks, unless you want to, which is fantastic too, right? Which is always very exciting. But I'm just saying that something that if we want to bring it into our everyday lives, there is there are ways to bring that intimacy and closeness and relationships um, that that don't take a lot of work and that are accessible to everyone, you know, if we want it to be. Yeah, I think um, a lot of the suggestions you're making are really helpful because a lot of the women I work with are numb and there's two kinds of numbness, right? You talked mm -hmm. about emotional in intimacy and physical intimacy and, you know, mental intimacy. So like for the most part, I would say my women are emotionally numb, you know, because their minds are so preoccupied with mm -hmm. uh, their work and, you know, just yeah. and, and also they're just very highly intelligent women. You know how it is, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, and yeah. you're just here all the time. So getting into your body is like a, a real struggle. Right. Right. Because we're, you know, for a while, right. It was applauded if you were multitasking, if you could do like 50 things and all at the same time. And so we know that that never really works and that you really can't multitask. You have to really just focus in on one thing at a time and then go to the next thing. It's, it's hard to be doing so many things at the same time. And when we do that, we really don't enjoy what we're doing. You know, that brings me to actually one of the reasons why, you know, I think you were mentioning about orgasm and pleasure and things like that. And so there have been lots of studies that have done that have been done on how to increase libido and arousal in women. And one of them is um, they did a research on, and I can, try to send you that if I can find it. Um, they did research on women using cognitive behavioral therapy and also mindfulness and really having them focus in on, you know, what they were doing at that time. So for example, if you are, you know, if being intimate with your partners, if you're planning on having sex or being physically intimate with your partner, really being intentional about it and really just 
mindful and bringing your mind to the act, mm -hmm. right? So being really present, feeling the sense. Of, and I think, you know, what I really like is, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of sensate focus. Um, so sensate focus is a modality that sex therapists use when they are, and it can be used for patients that have experienced trauma in the past, and it's a form of desensitization. And what happens is that there are levels to the sensate focus. And I love it because it's great because there's the different levels. And for the first level um, is that sex is totally taken off the table. So there's no pressure on anyone on you know on either side so for women you know oftentimes they're so preoccupied with their body image and what their body looks like and oh my god uh, you know i'm fat here i'm this there and they just are not present in the mo moment and for men it's about like uh, performance anxiety and you know am i going to be able to satisfy my partner and things like that and so it just takes that off the table so that people are not worried about it and you know, they come just really with their own bodies. And then what you're doing is you're experiencing touch and being in the moment. And so, you know, maybe how the the other person's skin feels, right? As you put your hands over their skin and how their arm feels, their, you know, their fingers. There's, and then you kind of go through this whole thing. And, um, but the end goal is not to have sex. Actually, that's mm -hmm. like one of the rules is that you can't have sex. Mm -hmm. And but that you're just and what you're doing is you're just retraining the body to just really be present and really be mindful. And this helps a lot of women that it may have experienced trauma in the past um, or, you know, those that uh, have never been in a physical relationship before with anyone else. And um, and so that they're experiencing physical intimacy for the first time so that there's no pressure. And it's it's all about being curious and exploration and really enjoying and what your senses are telling you about, you know, this other person's body. And um, and then you go to like different levels. And the final level of uh, sensei focus is where you are allowed to have sex if you want, if that's something, you know, that you want uh, in your relationship. Uh, and we're talking about like penile vaginal intercourse. And so I think that there's a whole spectrum when it comes to this. And so it's really important to see what you feel comfortable with. And so that's really why I like a sensei focus. And it's, it's phenomenal, because I think it really helps. And, you know, your reader, your viewers um, can look it up online, because it's, it's something that's really, really helpful um, for people that that have experienced trauma. Um, but yeah, and and so that was one of them. So that's one of the modalities for women to increase mindfulness and increase, you know, libido and arousal. And I think that sensei focus in itself can be very erotic as well, um, if that's what you want it to be. Also, you know, the other research that I was talking about was just mindfulness. So they had these women in a six month and a nine month group. And what they realized is that when they were mindful in their, when they were physically intimate with their partners, that they automatically increased the libido increased, the arousal increased when they were physically intimate. And it, it was because they were present um, and that they were really focusing on what they were doing. They weren't thinking about the dishes, the laundry, the work that they, you know, the dues, whatever the projects that are due next week, right? And they were just really focusing on what they were doing at that moment in that time. And automatically that libido and arousal increase even without meds, right? And I'm not saying that meds are bad because definitely we have two meds that are approved for uh, to increase libido in women. One um, is called Adi or Phil, uh, 
filbanisarin, and the other one is called Vilesi. One is an auto-injector, meaning like you inject yourself 45 minutes before you're about, about to have intercourse. And um, there is some nausea that, and some people do experience some vomiting with this, um, but uh, you do, you know, you can take that and that is like an on-demand kind of thing, right? So when you okay. think that you're about to have sex or, you know, you're in a relationship and say that you know that that, that night you're going to have sex. So, you know, I really encourage, encourage women to plan out um, date nights. And so then you you know, and that actually is something that's good for uh, people that have mismatched libido, right? Because somebody that I want sex all the time and somebody that's really not interested in sex, if you plan out a date night, then they both know that that night um, they're going to have sex. So it takes the pressure off of the person that doesn't want to have sex. So if they give their partner a hug or something like that, they know that on a day that's not their date night, right? They know that there's no pressure for them and that they can go out and give them a kiss or a hug and it doesn't have to lead to sex. Whereas the person with the high libido knows that, you know, on this day, finally they're, they're gonna have sex. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right like it's not they're not going to be rejected and so they won't feel rejected or resentful to their partner because every time they want to have sex their partner doesn't want to have sex so you know it can become very uh frustrating for that individual so that's why i think like date nights are super important and really really important for a healthy relationship um especially if physical intimacy is something that you want and uh is important in your relationship the other medication that i was talking about is uh phil Banserin is um it's called addy that's the um that's the name, the generic is filbanserin. And so it's 100 milligrams daily that you take and it's a medication that, both of those are medications that can be prescribed by your doctor. And those are the two medications, they're only two medications that we have that are FDA approved for uh, to increase libido in women. There is some off-label use of testosterone in women as well, but definitely if you use testosterone, uh, make sure you get it prescribed by a provider that knows what they're doing because, uh, if you have too much testosterone in your body um, that you're being prescribed, it can lead to uh, male pattern baldness. You can lead to clitoromegaly, like your clitoris gets really big. You can have like deepening of the voice. You can get acne, you know, things that um, testosterone that we see in men happen can happen to women as well. If you don't have a provider that knows how to prescribe testosterone and to watch it and to watch those levels so that you don't become like supra therapeutic, right? Like we don't want that level of testosterone to get too high because those uh, side effects are actually not reversible. So Ooh. you want to make sure, yeah, right. So that's why I say, and that's why um, the American College of OBGYNs actually does not, um, encourage women to use like pellets. Like I know a lot of providers sometimes will uh, advocate for testosterone pellets and they don't like them because we don't know the dose of the testosterone that you're gonna get with each pellet. And, um, you know, so that's why it's really important to go to somebody that knows how to prescribe testosterone. And testosterone has been shown to increase libido in women as well, as, um, especially women that are postmenopausal. Oh, okay. Yeah. So both both women can get and anyone can prescribe you testosterone, any physician can, you just want to make sure that that provider then follows you with blood levels and or side effects that may happen with the use of wow. testosterone. That's really great. I didn't even know that there was medication for that that could help women with their libidos. So that's- Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's good. And yeah. I, I love the uh, Sensei, what is it called? 
Sensate focus. Yeah. Sensate focus. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like that also. Um, it to me, you know, because I went to Tantra school, it sounds like yeah. Tantra without the the breath work, right? So there's a, a similar practice that we do um, where we eye gaze. Um, but exploring the uh, our partner's body without the intention of having sex, hmm. just just to sync your heartbeats and your breath, and so um, and and slowly, yes, over time, you know, you explore more and do more things. So, um, and this, I, I love this because tantra, like sometimes that word does just people are, they, they get scared. They're like, oh, I'm not going to be that kind of sex person. You know what I mean? Um, and this just, it just seems like it's more um, normal. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really good. And I think it's a great modality to have in your back pocket, especially for uh, for anyone, really, it doesn't have to, you you know, you don't have to have experienced trauma to be able to use this modality, but it is good for those that have had trauma in their past and, um, and for people actually that have never had sex, right? That's, yeah, that's what it sounds like. It'd be really great for like newlyweds who are yes. both virgins. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, it just takes the pressure off. And I think a lot of times people have expectations, you know, when they get married. And um, I think that it's good to just take that pressure off. That way you can just explore and be curious and really just experience pleasure, right? When you give your self permission to explore. Yeah. So I want to, um, I, I, I want to just close out this conversation by like, what would be your golden nugget here? If, you know, just to summarize what we spoke about, what are, what are the top, you can say the top one or the top two things that um, you can uh, experiment with. Yeah. In, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to so, put you on solo view. So uh, at you. Okay. So I think uh, some of the, you know, I guess the clinical pearls or just even just pearls, forget clinical, but just pearls, I think that I would like to leave your viewers with is that, you know, practicing mindfulness increases pleasure and arousal. And I think that that is super, super important and really can help people. I think by focusing on the present moment, instead of worrying about the future, you can definitely reduce stress and fully engage in your intimate experiences. Um, embrace self-acceptance and love yourself as you are right now. I think that's really, really important. I think a lot of us wait to love ourselves until we're just perfect or whatever, or in our head, whatever we think is perfect. And I think just letting go of unrealistic self-expectations and exercising self-kindness is super important. Recognize that love and intimacy will evolve as we age and embracing the current stage of our life. I know that some people um, think, you know, that, oh, when they were younger, they experienced more of a spontaneous desire. And now as they get older, you know, it's more work and it's harder. But I just want people to just embrace it and realize that, you know what, things change as we get older, but that's that's great. And it's really a blessing to be able to get older. Uh, prioritizing communication. We talked about that a little bit before. And I think that is super important that by writing down your desires and openly discussing them with your partner and clear communication. Also, it sets the foundation 
occasion for a satisfying and intimate connection. Um, making time for sex and prioritizing intimate moments, I think, is super, super important. We want to make sure that, you know, you create a sacred space for a connection, whether it's a scheduled date or uh, simply just carving out time for each other. We talked about how, you know, you can create those intimate moments even just by going out for a walk or cooking dinner or holding hands, watching TV, right? Something simple. It doesn't have to be hard. Um, and that, you know, increasing intimacy through various activities, like I just talked about, you know, participating in hobbies together or new experiences, these definitely can foster a closeness and deepen your emotional and physical connection. So, you know, I think lastly, more than anything, what I'd like viewers to walk away with is knowing that intimacy doesn't have to be hard. It's only hard because we make it hard. You know, it's something simple. It can be done. It's achievable. It's never too late. And it just really requires being intentional and making it a priority. Thank you. That's that's perfect. So I, I would say let's normalize intimacy. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Thank yeah. you so much, Dr. Sada, for joining us today on the Free to Be Show. And for those of you who are viewing and listening, if this impact that you share, first of all, implement and practice and then share with another heart and share with another soul. And until next week, be free. Thank you so much. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you for being present for the Free to Be Show with the possibility of joy within you. Now go into the oceans of your mind and integrate and stimulate the body wisdom within you today. Create the remainder of your day differently. Be a stand for who you be. Experiment with using your voice. And if you require a soft place to land in community, connect with me at theultimatejoygoddess.com. Together we will explore the joy within you. Until next week, be free.